from the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we get to look at an even-steven week for the Guardians, the dogs on defense, some more NFL storylines, and then we head off the field for a trip across the narrow sea. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. Co-host Phil Danko is here. Hey, Gerbs. Thanks for having me. You bet, buddy. Dragon Spirits brand ambassador Chuck Rambaldo is here as well. Is it malt liquor? I'll be honest. It's a real flexible job opportunity for you in South Padre Island, Texas. It's your chance to create a wow experience for consumers, demonstrate a high degree of salesmanship, and show off brand storytelling. Sales experience is a plus, but they are willing to coach the right dragon and will teach you the fiery dragon sales methodology. Just read the post and still don't know exactly what the job is? That's how they get you <laughs> <Yeah>. on Indeed.com. <laughs> yeah, what, it, it, it's a booze product, I'm assuming? I think so, but you really can't tell from reading through the entire post, which was much longer than what I just read you. <laughs> uh, I still got to the end not knowing what they sell exactly, but it uh, seems like a good opportunity. It's like 30 bucks an hour and okay. you get like commissions. If you sell a bunch of dragon spirits, fellas, let's get rolling into our show. Stay at home in the land. Start with our guardians week cap recapping the week for the Cleveland guardians. Oh man, that started better than it finished. Guards traveled West to the state where the bomb ass hemp bee came out looking like a bald Liberace. <laughs> Never understood that lyric. Sweeping a two-game series with the San Diego Padres with an unusual display of power during those games. Then it was on to Seattle where things cooled considerably. The guards' stars bucked their recent hot streak and lost three of four. And here is to hoping that it's not a major softening in their play, just a micro-softening. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> it's about as good as it's getting tonight. All right. <laughs> Strap in, fellas. <laughs> Guards finished the week 67 and 59, two up on the Twins, five up on the rapidly fading White Sox. Because the week started so well, the weekend seems a bit like a disappointment. But last week, we thought three and three would be okay. So, how are you feeling tonight? I think okay. I think three and three is okay. It was weird the way it happened. You, you know, you, you take the first two and you're like, all right, here we go. Let's win. Let's win four of these six, right? I mean, why not? But yeah, I feel just okay. I don't think we lost any ground, really. I think we went into the week a couple games up on the Twins. And the, the White Sox, like you said, are kind of distancing themselves from the top a little bit now. But And keep in mind, both of those teams in that West Coast swing, they're they're both good teams. They're both in playoff hunts. They, they have basically the same record as the Guardians do. Uh, going into those series. I mean, pretty close to it. So coming through at three and three, I feel okay is a good way to describe it. And, you know, then you come home and let's, uh, let's start winning some series again, maybe. I feel pretty good. You know, you posed the question, would two wins be enough? And we said, me and Phil said no. So I guess three is better than two. Yeah. The Padres aren't as good as people think. The Mariners are. I want up with the baby. So watching some of those games, they felt playoff like. Uh, and that was the first time I could I could remember. Like, I couldn't really pace the room because the baby was sleeping. And if I stood up, she would scream at me. But I, I felt that like heart pounding towards the end of the games. Like it, it was good baseball. The hitting wasn't really there. The pitching was was pretty good. So overall, you go out west and and you beat. You know, you take three from two good teams. I'm I'm not 
pissed at him or anything. It's just weird that it started out so well and then it kind of fizzled out. You know, you end up losing three or four in Seattle and that never sounds great, but I agree with you guys. I still think that's a, a reasonably successful trip for them. And some of those games against Seattle really could have gone the other way as well. They left a ton of guys on base. I think in the first game of the series, they struck out, I think 15 times in the in the next game that they lost, which really uncharacteristic for this team to strike out that many times in the, in a game. And today the defense kind of fell apart on them and cost them some runs and they didn't hit it all with runners when they had them just trying to keep perspective on it. The guardians are 13 and seven in their last 20 games. And that includes four series with potential playoff teams. And it's five. If we count the white Sox still as a potential playoff team. So all in all, just to, to finish that kind of a run, which was, wasn't easy, still on top of the division. Yeah, I, f- I feel okay about it. I'm actually glad that they got to three. I, I don't think I'd feel as good as I thought I was going to last week if they only had two. And I was going to run through this entire thing with the happy Gilmore. Uh, you guys are smart. I'm not. You're very attractive. <laughs> I'm not good looking thing because uh, you guys called last week right with the three and three finish. So let's talk MVG, most valuable guard for the week. Jose Ramirez seems to be rounding back into shape, hit 318 with three home runs and seven RBIs. Cal Quantrill continues to pitch well. Won his start this week, went seven innings, five hits, no runs, six Ks. Let's throw the bullpen in together. Classe, De Los Santos, Henches, Karinchek, Morgan, Sandlin, Shaw, and Stefan all made appearances this week without giving up an earned run. And last one, Terry Francona, who, if you remember, missed a ton of last season with health issues, and I think is showing how much it matters for him to be on the bench the full season. This is the youngest team in the league. He has them in playoff contention and leading the division as the calendar gets ready to turn to September. Let's not overlook the job that dude is doing. So who's your MVG for the week? I say this almost every week, but these are all really like these, this might be the hardest one to pick. Like I'm super happy. Ramirez seems to be like heating up again, because you're going to need him, uh, especially in September to do what he's doing right now. Uh, And it's not like anybody else hit all that well this week. The bullpen has been lights out. Francona, you're right. And it's a guy I thought tinkered a little too much, maybe in years past, but there's no denying how good he is at managing this team this year. But I think I'm going to stick with the bullpen because at times it seems, especially Karen Jack is almost unhittable, man. Uh, Three appearances this week, six Ks. He hasn't had a run scored on him in his last 18 appearances. And it's like, oh, then I got to hand it over to a guy who you're never going to hit after as well. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think here. I mean, I remember at times when like Andrew Miller was unhittable. And and maybe that's what he feels like only with a lot more passion, which I like, but could rub some other teams the wrong way during this playoff run. Uh, so I'm going to stick with the bull because the bullpen has been phenomenal as of late, but Karen check only because I think maybe it was a month or so ago when he came up, maybe a little longer. I thought they might need to make a decision on this dude. I didn't think he had it maybe because the goop is and the spin rate is down and all that, but he's been phenomenal. So I'm bullpen, but specifically him this week. I, l- I like that choice of the bullpen because now we're getting to the end of the season and it's almost like, all right, starters, get it, get us into the seventh because we got it from there kind of thing. Right. And that's exactly what you want out of this team, but not to choose the exact same thing. I, I'll, I'm going to give it to Quantrill. He went another seven inning start. That seems to be what he's been doing of late. He looks good and he seven innings, no runs. He, he spread five hits over those seven innings. There was never, there wasn't even an inning. I don't, I, that we were like, Oh, you know, he's in trouble here, you know, and just, he was really, efficient and we need 
especially this last month or so of the season, we need another one of these starters to step up, to round out. Cause you get into the playoffs, you need three, three guys for sure. Right. You need your three starters. So right now you figure Brandon, you need four. I think. Well, of course, I well, we've got, we've got five anymore. Yeah. We've got five, but, but you need to name your one through three for sure. Right. So, you know, that and, and Bieber and McKenzie are your one and two. So maybe it's someone like Quantrill is that third guy instead of, and then, and you go four with, uh, with, with some of these other guys that have been okay of late. So I'll give it to Cal Quantrill. I think that was a great start. It was against his old team. He shut them down ended that two game series with a sweep. I'm going with Frank Kona because I added him to the list this week. And I, it's not necessarily because of like his in-game decision-making, I think sometimes you can pick on that kind of stuff. I just think it's the way he manages these guys. I think a lot of Cleveland fans get upset that Jimenez gets so many days off, but the dude's never played a full major league season and he's headed into September hitting like 300. I think part of that is just the way Terry handles those guys. And I don't know if you want to call it load management or whatever, but he's keeping some of these younger guys in somewhat limited roles so that they don't get overwhelmed. And I think he just handles the team so well. He's got a bunch of dudes who believe in playing fundamental baseball, which you're not necessarily guaranteed to find in a major league locker room now. Francona and his staff, man, have got these guys and have had them really since the beginning of the year playing absolutely outstanding. Just for this week, even though he never gets on the field, I'm giving it to Francona. But I think you bring up an interesting thing about the pitching fill, because I really think you want to set four starting pitchers for the playoffs. Isn't it Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrill, and right now Savali? Yeah. And, and that's nice to have. You, you can flip between Savali and Plesak. And right now today, it would be Savali for sure. I mean, he he's putting in quality starts. Now, Plesak, he's done He's got that streak where he hasn't had a win in a while, but he he has decent starts. He just he's that guy that doesn't get run support during his best starts this year. But right, I mean, if you had to pick a four right now, I, I think it's Savali, and that's a good problem to have because Savali or, and or Plesac, if they're not in your starting rotation, it's the playoffs, man. That's a long reliever coming out, and they they might give you five innings in the middle of the game where your yeah. starter looked a little shaky, right? So yeah, it's good. What do you think, Chuck? Would it be Savali or Plesac for you in that four spot? Uh Please, I has gotten a whole lot of no run support and he's pitched well over his past couple starts, but you know, if it's, if it's a playoff run and we're, and we're setting a four man road, you got to go with a guy who has a hotter hand at this point. And, and to me, you know, it's a volley, but like he's saying, it's, it's, it'd be nice to have another starter who can come out if somebody gets banged up in the second or third inning and can give you four. So why not? Yeah. Good problem to have, man. You can never have enough good starting pitching. All right, next week, things do not get much easier for the guards. They come home for three against the Orioles and then another three against the Mariners. All three of these teams have basically the same record. So another even Steven week for the guards? I'd like it to be because they're at home. I'm excited to watch the Orioles series because they're another really young team who wasn't expected to do dick this year and plays in the toughest division in major league baseball and is holding their own i think that's that's the series i hope they write the ship with the mariners after after getting beat out there but even steven to me would be almost the best case scenario honestly this week just because i i think the orioles are they play much better competition in their division so i think they're going to be better than than most people think and the mariners 
uh, hopefully you catch you catch your wins there. So I think even Stevens, the best. Wow, I feel bad for saying this. It's the best case scenario to, to even Steven this week. Yeah, I think three wins would be would be good. Um, the competition is it's playoff caliber competition all week long. Checked out the pitching matchups. I think we're throwing our heavy hitters against Baltimore the way the rotation pans out. So they'll see Bieber and McKenzie. Um, I don't know who's throwing in that third game. Maybe you can get instead of three and three, you're at home. You win two series in a row would be fantastic, but three and three would be fine getting through that week. Tough to say that they'd win two series. I mean, it's just, just the way it goes, man. These are good teams. Uh, They're going to be challenging and it's going to be a hard week, I think, for the Guardians. But I'm glad they're at home so I can watch the games and not have to just read about them the next day because I went to bed. That's it for our week cap, fellas. Let's move on to the penultimate installment of 13 Shades of Brown, our 13-week preview of the Browns' upcoming season. We got tonight, we got next week, and then it's go time for the Cleveland Browns. The Browns played their final preseason game on Saturday night against the Bears. Here we go. Give me your one-word hot take from the final fake game of the season. <laughs> one word. Uh, Don't act like you didn't know this was coming. Come on, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I knew I knew this was coming. I, I so I rewatched I rewatched the game today, and my word is meh, <laughs> like M E H, right? Like, yeah. like that's it. That, that's it. Even watching it a second time, that first half with most of the starters, well, any of the starters that actually played in the game. I don't know that I learned anything about this Cleveland Browns team in that game. I have a three letter word as well. It's UGH. It's U-G-H. <laughs> it's, it's for, and for the same reason, I don't, I don't know if I feel any better uh, about the offense and, or the defense or whatever. And last week I said, you're part of the problem, but really the highlight is the kicker that, that bothered me a little bit this week, but yeah, just UGH. Cause I, I don't know what to expect. I have no idea. Mine was stupid, <laughs> stupid for watching this stupid because <laughs> People try to glean some information or make conclusions like, oh, Jacoby Brissett looks so bad. He played the game without five pro bowlers on offense on the field with him. Like, how could you judge that guy based on what's out there? You know, and they're, it's like dumbed down offense, dumbed down defense. You know, they're not really trying to win the game. They're trying to work out things, you know, so it's just, this is stupid for putting any attention to it or or trying to come up with any conclusion that oh this guy needs to go or this guy needs to stay because you know of what they did in a preseason game stupid all right fellas moving on from stupid preseason let's talk defense get into the dog pound a squad that showed a lot of improvement last year especially as the season was going on probably needs to show even more improvement this year early to keep the browns in the playoff hunt so what do you think the strength of the defense will be this year? I, I hope it's the secondary. It's either going to be the secondary to defensive ends. We, we know what we get out of Miles Garrett, but the secondary made leaps and bounds as the season went on. At least the safeties did, as did uh, you know Newsom as a, as a legit starting corner. So I think it's got to be the, the secondary because I'm worried about the interior D-line. So unless the DNs are putting a lot of pressure on that quarterback, uh, I don't know how long he's going to have to throw. It might be all day. So those guys need to tighten up out there. So sec- secondary. Yeah. What I want to see out of this defense this year, and, and Chuck is exactly right. I think the secondary is the, is the better tier of the three levels of this defense. But what I want to see is at each level, the, the front, the linebackers and the secondary, I think we have a chance of having a pro bowl caliber, like top in the league caliber player, make a difference at every level. And I'm, and, and at the linebacker level, I'm looking at JOK. Like, I think that guy, 
he might make a leap this year and make a difference as an athletic linebacker that is, yeah, he's just going to be all over the field, I hope, if he stays healthy. And then, you know, on the front four, you got Miles Garrett in the back end. It's going to either be, you know, it could be take your pick. It could be Ward. It could be Newsom, whoever, but uh, shut down corner. And then if Delpit flashes too, um, that's what I'm looking for. I think this defense has a chance to be the strength of this team. I, what I want to see is all three levels having that, that pro bowler at each level. I'm going to go with the pass rush as the strength. I, I just think Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney are, are elite pass rushers. They get to do it again for another year. And maybe it's what you guys are saying that the improvements in the secondary, you know, lead to more sacks, right? Can't find people open. Yeah. That that window is going to close quickly with those two dudes coming off of the ends. So I, I'm I'm hoping that's the strength of the team. I I think it will be the the pass rush. I think both of those guys might have big years, but we're going to get to it. Weakness, like you said, Chucks, appears to be up the middle, stopping the run. The starting tackles this year are predicted to be Jordan Elliott and Taven Bryan, who combined for 31 tackles last year. Are the Browns looking at tackling a tackle tackling problem this season? <laughs> <laughs> oh man that was i'm surprised you got it out that quickly that's really good man first take baby right i mean i i don't know i i hope so i i guess we'll like you're like we're saying you're the preseason is is really comical at times because nobody's really playing so i would like to see how those interior d linemen play with you know the ends actually playing and their starting linebacker core playing but yeah it makes me nervous that those guys have 31 total tackles uh, and, and it's never been a big position of of praise for the Browns. They drafted guys that never panned out there. So I think if they're going to get gashed, yeah, it might be running between the center and the guards. But I don't know until week two, week one, week two, when we yeah. see this actual team on the field. So I, I guess I reserve my right. But yeah, that's to me. I don't know if they I wish I say it one more time for me so I could try to spit it out. Tackling the are the Browns looking at tackling a tackle tackling problem. Tackling a tackling tackle problem. No, I don't think so. You get what I'm saying. Is it going to I be do. a problem yeah. up the middle? I, that is going to be a problem. And I think what they're, what they're relying on is the depth or lack thereof, right? The guys that aren't uh, the two guys you just mentioned are, are Perry and Winfrey and Tommy Togiai. So they're rookie kind of level guys, right? So yeah. They're going to, and that, maybe that's what they're going to do. It'll be like that hockey line. Like, all right, we're just, we're just rushing in fresh legs every two downs in the interior part of the line i don't know it, it didn't look good again not that you could take much from what we saw it's preseason it, i know well and it, it's not only not only that is preseason but the they were talking about there were starters that played and there were right on defense but when you take four starters away from a defensive side of the ball like that that's not your actual defense you know you don't have your pass yeah. rush you don't have your secondary but you know later in the game like i thought i thought Perrin Winfrey looks good. I mean, he's a, he's a big dude. So if he could just, if he could just get his body on two linemen, all right, we got quick linebackers. Let, maybe it'll work out, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that's going to be the problem and it's no fun watching a team get, get destroyed at the line of scrimmage when they're running between tackles, right? Like that is, yeah, yep. that's no way to win. So we'll see. Yeah. I hope that they have a way to compensate for this because you're right. There's, it's demoralizing to get beat by getting the ball run down your throat for an entire game. If our offense isn't doing anything, it's not going to be a lot of fun to watch these games. If that's what's happening to our <laughs> We defense. have a kicker. All right. Real fast, Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney had a combined 25 sacks last year. Is that number going up or down? I'm going to say it goes up 
to 26. <laughs> I'll be <that> <laughs> <laughs> That's a really big number. It is. I think it's going to go down, but not by much. Maybe it's like 22, 23, and maybe it's because those guys missed a game or two this season but 25 is a big yeah i'm gonna settle in and at under i'm gonna take the under here uh at like a, a 22 23 range i'm taking the over another year together and maybe a need for those guys to have more sacks to keep the browns in games and in the playoff hunt but fellas that will wrap up another 13 shades of brown let's take our first break come back we'll head out on the road and hit some more nfl storylines Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road. And just like the rest of the country, we're going to ignore everything else happening in sports and just talk about the NFL for a little while. Let's start with players that might be at the end of their careers in the NFL. And our first ever from the land, Tom Brady career longevity scale. <laughs> scale of one to five, one being 45-year-old me, five being 45-year-old Tom Brady. First one, J.J. Watt. 33 years old, only played seven games last year, 10 sacks in the last three seasons combined. On the scale of one to five, where is J.J. Watt looking right now? I kind of feel like this might be his last year. So on that scale, that's uh, a weird scale. <laughs> so I, No, I mean, it's not. It's a one. I, it's, so, <laughs> your athletic well, career is over. You're a 45-year-old so Jason Gerber. That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> if I, That's what I was thinking. If I put it at a one, that means he doesn't even like suit it up this year. I think he's going to play this year, <laughs> but I think it might be his last year. So I'm going to put it at a two. I was kind of thinking that one meant this was going to be like your last season in the game, even though I guess you're right. It's not entirely accurate. <laughs> scale. <laughs> I'm at, a, I'm at a two as well. I think that uh, if he stays healthy, he will contribute a little bit out there. Surprise signing. I don't think any of us thought he would end up there, but I like it. I respect him more for what he does in his personal life now. Like there's been some stuff that he's paid for funerals and like, he seems like a great guy. So I'm hoping that maybe he can do like four or five sacks this year and at least contribute a little bit here. And then, you know, like ride off because I hope they, you know, underachieve as a team like they did last year. I think this is definitely his last season and i'm not sure how much he can contribute not because he's not a good player and not because he's not a guy who wouldn't put the work in i just don't think his body's holding up in a way that's going to allow him to make any kind of meaningful contribution so i think it's kind of the same thing as last year less than 10 games nothing really in the way of tackles or sacks and probably the end of jj watt's career next one ezekiel elliott 27 years old he rushed for 1002 yards last year in 17 games he had 87 yards in the last game so without that he would have been back-to-back -back seasons under a thousand yards where do you put ezekiel elliott on the scale maybe like a two and a half um that dude had a lot of carries very early on in 27 that what he said he is yep love to be 27 again but in nfl years that's an old man especially at a skill position like running back so and that's a team that is constantly under a microscope. So he'll be even more this year. I think he's a two and a half. I, st I still think he, he could probably get to a thousand yards possibly, but yeah, his production will continue to fall off. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, in terms of what he has left in the tank, it's hard to say like they're going to probably try to use him as a, a top tier running back, right. If he's healthy and at that position, it's almost like you go from one season to the next and all of a sudden like, whoa, all right, this guy just doesn't have it anymore. Yeah. So are we about to see that with Zeke? Um, and I guess I'm just quick math here. It's got to be his fifth or sixth season, right? I mean, if he's 27. So I'd put it like 
right around where Chuck did two and a half, three, something like that. He, if he stays healthy, I think he'll grind out a, a good, I mean, a thousand yards though, if you're healthy in 17 games, isn't all that. I mean, it, it's good. It's not that productive, right? Yeah. yeah. But right. But yeah. You're, you're, I mean, yeah, it's not like you're lighting the, the, the league on fire with your running game just to get to a thousand yards. So uh, it'll be interesting. I could see him getting pretty beat up uh, in that offense and, and maybe not even getting, you know, getting that many games under his belt this year. Chubb had more than a thousand yards last year and think about how many games he didn't seem like he got that many carries where they were spreading it around with him and hunt and Dearness Johnson, or they were just passing it a bunch. And so he still got there, but probably in a much lighter load than what Ezekiel Elliott had to do to get there. Uh, and I don't even know, man, maybe it's not even a thousand yards that we're looking at anymore with, with a 17 game season is 1200, the mark that a running back should have, or is it, you know, 1150 or something like that is, is where they so should 60, end up. I don't know. 60 yards game gets you a thousand. It's good math. Yeah. It's actually 58.8. But do you have up. a calculator or is I your do. brain work? That good? No, no, no. no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I use my supercomputer. <laughs> like you would be, you'd be pissed at your fantasy league running back. If he oh, only yeah. rushed for 58 yards in a game, yeah. you know? And so yeah. if that's what it takes to get to a thousand, I don't know. I just think the miles have caught up with Zeke and I don't know if he's a guy that was ever that focused on football once he got into the NFL. And so that's the kind of guy whose body isn't going to last necessarily because he might not be doing enough to take care of it during the off season. So I'm, I think I'm a little, I'm closer to one and a half two for Ezekiel. I think his really productive days as an NFL player might be done. Next one, Carson Wentz. He's only 29, which isn't that old for quarterbacks, but he's on his third team since being drafted in 2016. His numbers are never terrible, but nobody seems to like him. It's a position of need in the NFL. Um, and if you had any smidgen of success at the quarterback position, there's a job for you somewhere. Uh, do I think he's going to be as productive? I, I, I don't know. A lot of finger pointing at him last year with the Colts kind of melting down. And yes, he deserved a lot of that. Can he still be productive? He's in Washington now, right? Yeah. They have more weapons than we think, you know, like their receiving core is not bad. Their running game is pretty good. Uh, I'm not, I think he's a middle of the road quarterback, but so is most of the league. So I'm going to give him like a, I think he's like a three, three and a half. I think on this scale, he's a 29 year old quarterback. I think he's a four or five. I, I think, cause I think he'll be around for a long time. I, I don't know that he'll be good, you know, but um, there's a lot of less than average quarterbacks that start in the league every year. And like you said, he's 29. I mean, he could be a starter for another five years and then a backup quarter for another five years after that, you know, at that position. So yeah, I, I think based on what we're, we're talking about right now, he'll be around for a while. This was kind of a trick one because Joe Flacco started today for the New York jets. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. quarterbacks, even <laughs> after they've kind of lost their fastball can stick around for a long time. I, I just think there's going to be too many guys, too many coaches who still think they can get something out of him because he's had some success. He's got that body type you'd love. He's a big dude at, as a quarterback. And so he hangs around probably getting other opportunities and, and probably hanging out to get uh, some years in as a backup. So, yeah, I, I think he's probably about a four on the scale. All right, last one. This one hurts a little bit. Jarvis Landry, 29 years old, only 570 yards receiving last year. We saw all of them. He didn't look like the same guy to me. Where's he at? That is a hard one. Um, I'm hoping he's healthier right now than he was at any point during last season. Cause you know, he, he came back, he, he was 
dealing with injuries a lot. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping he's, he has a kind of a rebound season, honestly, like in, down in New Orleans and you're going to, you're on an, in an offense that they're going to throw the ball a lot, but in terms of how much does he have left? Um, if he's healthy again, I'll, I'll put him at a three. I, I could see him, you know, maybe a couple productive seasons if he stays healthy. Uh, if it's like last year, it might be one or two seasons in the league. I don't know. Like about a three, two, but it might be leaning more towards two and a half. And it's a, it's a guy I want to continue to root for just because what he did for a culture here. And he's at home. He went home to play there in a, in a pass half. And Jameis Winston, we mentioned him last week. He could throw for 500 yards and Jarvis can have 150 of them. So I think he has big games this year, hopefully, if he stays healthy. But what we saw last year was his body breakdown, maybe because he, he played hurt or he came back too soon. And that catches up with you at a skill position like that. So uh, I want it to be a three, but I think he's more of a two and a half. You might see a few games out of him this year, and then maybe maybe the curtain kind of closes a little bit. He gets another year or two, and then he's just just a guy who who doesn't matter anymore, which is sad uh, for Browns fans because he mattered here for a few years. I'd be shocked if this guy still had three years in the NFL in him. We'll, we'll see. Maybe it was just a matter of he was he was banged up last year and shouldn't have been playing, but I have a feeling, unfortunately, for a guy that really was good for the Cleveland Browns franchise, I have a feeling he's probably like a one and a half or a two. It's Is he hanging out this year? Does he make it the entire season if he's not productive? Unless he has a really good year, I'm not sure we see him again after this year. But that's it for our Brady career longevity scale. Surprised you didn't do Brady on the scale. <laughs> yeah. No, we've already talked about it. We've already talked about Brady. He's never Should be retired. Retire. <laughs> Him and Brian Shaw competing to see who can be the oldest person in sports. New year, new squad. And I am going to McDowell coming from America for this scale. Let's do the from the land. Damn, that boy's good scale. Scale of one to five. One being good. Five being good and terrible. How good are these guys going to be on their new teams? And we'll start with Devontae Adams reuniting with dorm buddy Derek Carr and $140 million in Las Vegas. He doesn't have the same quarterback throwing to him now uh, that he did up in Green Bay. So I think he takes a step back. Not that Carr, Carr's a good quarterback and, you know, they've known each other since they were 18. So that's great. I, I, I So on that scale, the sexual chocolate scale, uh, <laughs> the, right, right. Randy, not Randy not our copyright. Not Randy our copyright. Jackson. We don't own yeah, that. Right. Okay, right. <laughs> the sexual chocolate scale. I love it. I think he's like uh right in the middle. It's a three. I mean, he's a talented wide receiver. The quarter he's got a good quarterback throwing the ball. It's just not what he had up in Green Bay. I think about a three, too. He's he's a superstar and Derek Carr's good, but he's not Aaron Rodgers, uh, even if they did play together for a while. And he's in a new city and I, I've never been there, but you live there, Gerb. I assume when you first move there, is it like overwhelming? I assume if you have millions of dollars, like you're going to, you're going to be out a lot, uh, hanging out, yeah. spend a lot of money, maybe going to some strip clubs, gambling a little bit. I think he's still a, a really productive and a great receiver, but again, it's Aaron's Rodgers not throwing to him and maybe McDaniels. I don't know. It's pass happy. It's not like it's Brady to Moss anymore. So three, he's going to be great, but he's not going to be as great as he was. I think that Raiders team has a lot of weapons and and that guy is going to have some some space to roam out there because there's other guys that a defense has to be concerned about i'm at like a one and a half or a two i, I think Devonte adams is going to be really really good for the raiders this year and i think that raiders team is probably going to be pretty good too all right next one marcus mariota will start in atlanta mariota was one for two passing last season for four yards 
He averaged four yards of completion. His completion percentage was exactly 50%. And he showed how <laughs> he could really protect the ball. He did not throw a single interception. <laughs> Scale of one to five. Good? Good or terrible? I think it's good and terrible. Man, it could have been way different for the Falcons if Deshaun Watson didn't end up here. He would end up there. But you got to plug in a guy, I guess. There's not much going on in Atlanta except for for Pitts. The other guy, their other receiver is barred this year for gambling. So I think it's going to be a long year. I think he's good and terrible. I'm going to put him at a five. Yeah, he's, that's good and terrible. And I'm just glad the Browns get to line up against him, I think, in like week four or something like that, right? Uh, let's, uh, although, you know, that that scares me. He doesn't turn the ball over ever, apparently. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the due. opposite of that dude he's from due. LA. <laughs> yeah, right. He's due. That's too bad for, for the Falcons because they have some weapons on that offense. And I, I don't know if Mariota is the guy to really utilize those weapons. So maybe they're waiting until next season when Ridley's back, they'll have another quarterback and figure it out. Yeah, I think Mariota is a pretty decent backup quarterback. You don't want him starting every game for you the entire season. So uh, I, I'm on the good and terrible side of that, too. That's a five for me. Next one, Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver and TikTok influencer, joined the Chiefs this offseason. Is he going to be good, good and terrible? This is an interesting one because he he's in a much better offense now for what he is, right? I mean, not, not that Pittsburgh threw the ball, obviously, but uh, – you know, now he's got one of the best quarterbacks throwing the ball. And so I don't know. I think he uh, he just strikes me as someone who he's not as good as he thinks he is. Right? Like, <laughs> like he, he, he's the best wide receiver, according to himself, kind of guy. And and I don't know, maybe I'm being too hard on him. But I, I think he actually has he may have a, a, a slightly more productive season. So I'm going to I'm going to put that like at a two on that scale just because of the offense he's in now. Two for the same reasons, you know, Tyree kill is gone. They need somebody to throw to not that. I mean, Patrick Mahomes could throw to any of us. And I think we could probably have four to 700 yards. <laughs> He's playing with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, and Juju is really athletic. I think he was banged up a little over the last season or so. Cause I, I get to watch Pittsburgh Steeler games in this house with my wife. And I think it's a, it's a perfect fit for him. I mean, if you were a wide receiver, wouldn't you want to play with Patrick Mahomes? So, so it's a two, Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a two. I think he has a big year. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm kind of the same area. Two, two and a half, three, somewhere in there. I don't understand why he wasn't better and more productive in Pittsburgh because he he did have some good years. And I just think you plug him into that offense and it gets scary a little bit. And and we're going to get to it in our next show. But the West might be scary. I'm with you guys. He's definitely closer to the good on our scale. Uh, last one, Russell Wilson, new quarterback for the shitty Denver Broncos. <laughs> Last year, Wilson threw for 3,113 yards. That's 203 yards less than what Jared Goff threw for, but 103 more than Baker Mayfield. So I don't know if you want to change this to a Goff-Mayfield scale <laughs> and see where he falls. We know where we fell last year. What's going on with Russell Wilson in Denver? Is he going to be good or good and terrible? I think he's going to be good. He's always been good. Seattle had a really good receiving core, and Denver's not bad either. So I, I don't know. It's a guy that I like. I think has never, well, at least the last few years, hasn't gotten the respect I thought he deserved as a quarterback. I still think he's probably a top 15 in the league. But three, I'll put it in. I got I to gotta sit on the fence here, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit at a three only because I've, I hate the Broncos for obvious reasons as, as a Cleveland fan. And, and I don't really care if he does well, but, you know, he's a good quarterback. I think I'll put this one at a two. I think he has a, a more Russell Wilson-like season this year than last. It's not going to be Peyton Manning going to the Bulls like when that happened. He's got a tough road in the AFC 
and in his division, right? To a lot of good quarterbacks, a lot of good football teams, but I think he has a better year than he did last year in, in Seattle in just a harder conference, unfortunately. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go four. Uh, I'm beginning to think that the Russell Wilson that we loved or were impressed by five years ago isn't out there anymore. Just don't think the guy has it. Takes a beating, unlike a guy like Brady who never gets hit. Like Wilson took a beating for a long time. So I, I have a feeling he's going to be, he'll be fine. He'll be good. He'll be productive. Still more on the good and terrible side of things. I don't know if I think the Broncos are going to be that great a team with him at quarterback. All right, real quick. Rosters need to be cut down to 53 throughout the league by Wednesday, August 30th. Jimmy G needs to either be traded or cut by then. Daniel Jones is the quarterback in New York for the Giants. Davis Mills is in Texas. Uh, we mentioned Mariota. Uh, Geno Smith is the starter in Seattle. Matt Stafford has arm issues. Where's Jimmy G landing? Man. I don't know. I don't think he ends up in Seattle because I think they're committed to losing so they can draft at the top next, next season. Atlanta, maybe because they missed out on Deshaun Watson. I don't know where he fits, man. That's a, that's a tough call. Look, can you list them again for me? Ram, you said the Rams, right? Rams, Giants, 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 Texans, Atlanta, Seattle, I, don't think I mean, L.A., through. if, if it, Stafford's yeah. having arm issues, yeah. isn't actually L.A. like the perfect, perfect. spot? Yeah, per, or New York or the Giants just because it's New York. And that guy seems like he would fit really well there just because we've said this many. He might be the best looking man in all of football. So uh, <laughs> he, he'd be great for New York. God, I don't I'm. I'll stay in New York only because I really have no clue where that guy fits. You're, you're right. Like if if Stafford's really hurt, he plugs in really well there. But eh, I'm not. Yeah, I'll stick with the G-Man. I don't know. I think uh, of the teams you listed, you're right. The Rams would be ideal if they're, if, if Stafford's really injured, then okay, great. Plug in Jimmy G and you're still a, a contender. Right. But I don't know, maybe, maybe Atlanta, that team. I mean, they've got, they've got weapons. I agree. I don't think it's Seattle. I think that it Seattle is, is all in on we're we're turning this roster. We're going to be bad for a little bit. So we get really good players, but, but they've got some good good talent on Seattle too. I don't know. I, that's a hard question to answer. I'm going to, I'll yeah. just say Atlanta. I'll just say he ends up in Atlanta. Uh, once he's Texas, Atlanta and Seattle to me are all almost kind of in the same spot. Like they're, these are not teams focused on winning. Mm -hmm. So why, why bring that guy in? I think the giants believe in Daniel Jones, despite all of the evidence. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It really starts to feel like that guy doesn't have a home. And that was a guy who took a team to a super bowl. Not too long ago. And, th and that's really, really surprising. Uh, we'll see. I, I, kinda, I guess I'm kind of with Phil. I think if he's going to go anywhere, it might be, it might be Atlanta. Uh, I, I think the problem in L.A. is I don't know if they have the money yeah. to sign that guy. Because uh, they're not going to pay him 20, but you got to pay him something. Um, you got to pay him 15 probably. So I don't know. No idea where Jimmy G is going to go. But I know where we're going. We're going into our final break. We're going to come back. We're going to head off the field and talk Game of Thrones. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field, and Game of Thrones is back, sort of. Last week saw the long-awaited premiere of House of the Dragon, a prequel to the Game of Thrones series that was so popular until it wasn't. Still an amazing run for Game of Thrones. Let's start there with a Game of Thrones stat line. 
Uh, there were five books in the original Song of Ice and Fire series, a total of 4,197 pages, and it's still not done. I guess George R.R. is a little bit busy with other stuff, <laughs> kind of lost focus on his writing. Uh, did either of you guys read the books? No. No. I read the books, and it takes a long time to get through them. But anyway, during its TV run, Game of Thrones averaged about 25 million viewers a season, utilized 4,000 gallons of artificial blood, 12,000 wigs, and 20 million bolts and screws. It also won some hardware. 132 Emmy nominations and 47 wins, seven Golden Globe nominations and one win, 18 SAG Award nominations and seven wins. So looking back at Game of Thrones before we look at House of the Dragon, uh, let's start here. Sexiest dragon in Game of Thrones, Drogon, Rhaegon, or Viserion? What? No good? No good. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> moving on <laughs> favorite battle of the original series and this is again one of those times where you can name whatever you want i've got four you can choose from first one the battle of blackwater bay that was Tyrion's great moment uh, the battle of the bastards was obviously Jon snow against ramsey bolton hard home was the battle on the lake north of the wall when the Night King really showed up for the first time. Uh, last one, Danny goes crazy and torches all of King's Landing in the second to last episode. <laughs> Phil, what was your favorite battle? Wow, those are, those are well, three of them are really good. I like the Battle of Blackwater Bay is a good one. I, I've rewatched the series a bit. I'm not all the way through it again because it's a lot, but uh, uh, I am past that point. And that, that was a good you didn't expect like that was a turning point, so to speak for Tyrion, for sure. Right. I mean, that was really changed how, even as you're watching it, how you, you felt about that character. Right. I mean, it was, so that, that was a cool battle that I think that played a big role in, in, in what happened afterwards, but they're all good, man. Like they're, I'll go with that one. It was, it was cool. It was at night. It was, it was a crazy scene, you know, like the way that they were coming out onto the beach kind of area. Right. I mean, it was, and intense they're all intense but that was a good one they are all really good um the one where the night king show i can remember watching that and going like sweating watching it like oh man this is this is yeah. super intense yeah um and seeing where it was going but uh it might be for me battle of the bastards only because it might be my favorite shot of that whole series where it's just john snow standing on the battlefield and all these horses are charging at him you're like it's over for this guy again, again. Uh, and it's not yeah, but, you know like <laughs> and it's not because at the last second uh horses come in and then you know like, where, where he might suffocate under all the dead bodies uh, it, it was it was unbelievably brutal but i i like that one strictly for that shot because it, it summed up his character where he stands his ground he pulls out his sword and if this is his last stand it's it but uh i just thought it was it was brilliantly shot this that scene alone that's a really, really good one. My only issue with that is that was kind of the beginning of the show, kind of fast forwarding and, and having things happen more quickly than it had early in the show. And, and for obvious reasons, we're going to get to it, but you know, they, they needed to end the show. You're in that battle. And then like out of nowhere, you have the surprise of the army from like the veil coming and, and Sansa coming back and stuff like that. And you're just like, ah, God, that's kind of a shitty like TV trope to throw into this thing. Maybe the most necessary battle. That was, that was really important. I, I'm, I'm with Phil on Blackwater Bay. 
that was cool. There was some strategy involved. You get to see Tyrion really kind of step into his shoes as like the smart guy in the room. Dragonfire is really cool. Uh, it was, you know, visually an amazing thing. Stannis was always kind of a douche. So it's not like you really wanted him <laughs> to ever win and like get on the throne. Like, uh, you know, he's no Robert Baratheon, you know. So um, I'm going with uh, Battle of Blackwater Bay. All right, next one. Which villain's death did you enjoy the most? Joffrey gets poisoned at his own wedding. Uh, next one, Ramsay Bolton gets eaten by his dogs after losing the Battle of the Bastards. Walder Frey, the jerk who organized the Red Wedding, gets his throat cut by Arya after eating a pie made out of his sons. Tywin Lannister gets crossbowed by Tyrion while on the shitter. <laughs> All wonderful, wonderful endings, but probably Joffrey's for me. Because I I was invested. I didn't know what I was getting into when I started watching Game of Thrones. And I'm like, man, what a great actor that kid was to hate his guts so terribly. Yeah. Uh, and, and to to almost take pleasure in in watching him. And just how graphic it became where his eyes became full of blood and he turned purple and all that. And it led to much bigger storylines later on and, and reveals. So that one was, you know, like usually with Game of Thrones, it was like, don't love this character because if you do, they're going to get killed. Uh, this one you wanted to get killed. So I, I, to me, that was probably the most satisfying death uh, during the series. Those are all really good ends of evil people, but it was definitely, jo I, I, I hated that. And he's a kid. I mean, it's yeah. like I hated yeah. that character. <laughs> I just hated that character. I, it was right, right when you meet that character, you you hope that his demise is right around the corner, and then he just continues to just be the biggest <laughs> he could possibly be for his entire existence, yeah. and he, he's just awful. So that one was the most satisfying for me as well. They're all very good, but Joffrey had to go, and it almost felt like he had gone too late. <laughs> You would have come sooner. <laughs> oh, I'm going with Ramsey Bolton getting eaten by his dogs. I, I think you're forgetting how truly terrible that guy was, man. I mean, he castrated Theon, who, you know, deserved something, but maybe not quite that. Uh, Ramsey was horrible to Sansa, man. Like, that was there, – there are some parts of Game of Thrones that are, like, difficult to watch. And the scenes where Sansa was stuck with that dude – are some of those that are just impossible. It, it's just hard. That was a dude who needed to die. Um, and I like the fact that it was like Sansa who gets to be the one who finally kind of says, okay, now you're going down. Here's how it's going to happen. It's your own dogs are going to eat you. And I rewatched that scene today and it's, um, <laughs> it's pretty terrible. It's pretty awful. It's not a good way to go. Um, but, but Ramsey deserved it. He was, uh, he was the worst. He, that's what I should have done. I should have done who was the worst. Uh, I think Ramsey Bolson would have been worst person in all of seven kingdoms. I think that guy would have won. How bothered were you by the final season of game of Thrones? I was not as bothered by it as the, what seemed like the, the general population. I, what I didn't like about it. And I, I will take it back to probably the, the last two seasons. It just, uh, the pace changed and, and it was noticeable and you, you kind of hit on it already. Gerbs. like, it was, that show was so good at fleshing things out and, and your storylines and the character development and all this stuff, even though so much was going on overlapping over the, you know, the first six seasons, but all of a sudden it, it felt like they're just jamming what I guess I would say would have been four seasons worth of stuff into the last two, maybe two seasons into the last one for sure. I don't hate it. 
like I, I, I watched it. It was fine. It was fine. Like they had to end the show. It felt like a different show for a season. And that, that happens a lot in, in these kind of things that get such a long run. Right. So I don't know. I wasn't too bothered. I wish it was better though. Well, George RR R. Martin wanted it to go 12 or 13 seasons. And if it would have, I think we'd all be a lot happier, but I'm still not, I'm, I'm with Phil. I wasn't like super disappointed. It is what it is. Like you knew it was coming. It had to end. And yes, they crammed a whole lot in there. And, but there were parts of it that were beyond enjoyable for me. You know, there, there were payoffs that I really wanted to see. And, and on the other hand, some of those payoffs were really rushed. It wasn't the most disappointing thing I've, I've ever watched. You know, like we, we talk about the Sopranos and we all love the way it ended. And probably 70% of people thought it was the dumbest ending in the history of television. And those people are fucking wrong, but I'm not comparing that to Game of Thrones. Uh, it, it was, it was entertaining. You know, like I had to step back and go, this does, you know, like I'm not flying a flag outside my house for one of these houses of whoever, like it's just entertaining. And, I, and I'm going to sit back and not bitch about it and try to ingest it and enjoy it. Problem is, is that they were so good in seasons one through six. You hate to see it change for the last two seasons, but it needed to, or else these people would have been working on this show for like 20 years. Yeah. And you know what? Like, like you forget outside of the fact that they're making this amazing show and it's wonderful for all their careers. These people have lives. Like they probably are like, I, you know, I'm, I'm sick of doing this for the last like 10 years or something like that. You know, like they want to move on and do other things. You just, the reality is, is you can't keep them there for 15 seasons. That's that's nuts. What show has ever gone 15 seasons? Like MASH? I don't even think MASH went that long. Law and Order. Cheers. You know? Cheers. <laughs> Law and Order. All right, there you go. That's the only one. <laughs> and you had to keep changing characters. Yeah. They've been like yeah. five different prosecutors. <laughs> There's no way, unfortunately, to do it any different unless you were going to extend it at least like another three seasons. Um, which we would have all loved, but I, it, it just wasn't practical. So it's a shame that they had to rush it. I think for the most part, I was okay with it because I, I think they hit the storylines well. Like it, it wrapped up in a way that made sense, but it was rushed. Like Danny losing her mind made sense, yeah. but, but it all happened like way too quickly. Yeah. So you kind of lost like the power of that, uh, that, and the decision to make Bran the ah. the king at the end, <laughs> stupid. That is something better than that. Knuckleheads. Ugh. All right. So we all feel pretty good about the last season, but wish it could have been better. Let's talk about the premiere of House of Dragon. What did you think of the first episode? I really enjoyed it. It was, um, and I, I like, <clears throat> I like how they set it up. I I thought it was cool. Even the when the voiceover started and it was a black screen and you're, you're, you're being kind of, they're, they're laying the groundwork for when this is occurring. You know, it's 172 years before what we saw uh, at the end of, uh, or no, I'm sorry, 172 years before the beginning of, of, of game of Thrones really. And I thought it was cool how they faded that out and, and made it, it made it clear. And then I felt in some ways very similar to how I felt when I started watching game of Thrones, we're like, all right, I don't know any of these characters. I don't know anything about them. And I'm starting to be by the end of one hour, I was already really invested in some of the character development. Like, oh, this, this person's crazy or this, per, you know, this person's awesome or whatever. So I, I think for as far as a first episode goes and it could have really fallen flat. It didn't in my mind. Like I thought like, okay, I'm ready. I want to learn more about this family and what's going on at this time. Uh, and I can't wait to watch tonight's episode. I really enjoyed it. It was nice that it started 
with fucking dragons because we waited so long yeah, in right. Game of Thrones <laughs> to see a fucking dragon. Uh, so I thought like, th th this is cool. You know, like, hey, right out the gate, we're seeing dragons. And then I thought they set a very different tone. The king had the name of successor and he was a peace king. Like we knew no peace king during Game of Thrones. Yeah, uh, that's true. All, all yeah. it was, was, was murder and killing. And then who becomes king seems like he doesn't really want the job all that much. I'm like, this, this is like a feel good version of Game of Thrones <laughs> until, you know, like, and then yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now there's going to be some blood here and I'm going to see somebody's balls get cut off and I'm going to see a pregnant woman's stomach get cut open. Uh, and then it felt right at home. Uh, so <laughs> it, it, it felt familiar halfway through the episode, but I like what they did. I, I, I'm the same way Phil is like, I got introduced to a lot of characters. I can see that these people are a lot like the people on Game of Thrones where they're all maneuvering for some sort of power, even if they don't think they are, or the other person doesn't think they are. Uh, so I'm interested to see where, where it heads. Uh, I think they gave you a lot uh, in, in episode one. And I thought there were some, some very nice, subtle callbacks to Game of Thrones. Um, so I didn't think I would enjoy it as much as I did, if that makes sense. So I was like, yeah, let's see what it's like. And I'm like, by, by the end of the hour, I'm like, well, can't wait till next Sunday. Here we go. <laughs> I was actually really impressed and I enjoyed the episode a lot too. I, I was really impressed by the fact that they set the Game of Thrones tone, but they didn't overdo it. Like, I feel like there's like a tendency when you're making, you know, a copy of a copy essentially to like, overdo it a little bit it's like making a sequel to a movie or something and you, you just try to you want to kind of crank up the intensity or something like that and they didn't they didn't go too far but it was a perfect mix of okay you can see the angles that people are already starting to play there is some stuff in here that is like visibly and like emotionally difficult to watch like, I can't believe I'm watching this right now. And I can't believe I want to watch it again because it, I, I don't really, because this is really hard. You know, the scene with the birth is one of the more difficult things I remember in any episode of yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, so they've, they've definitely set that tone where it's going to be, it's going to be rough and it's going to be intense, but they didn't like take it too far and make it like cheesy or campy or something like that. Uh, and I really like that. The other thing that's great about this it's fully written. Yeah. Everything we're about to see was completed just as background in one of the books. Now it's background that lasted for like 800 pages or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's just like, Oh, let's digress for a minute and talk about how the Targaryens got here. You know, like shit. That's what makes the book so hard to get through, but it's cool that it's all there. Um, I, I, I like that a lot. So, how do they avoid the same trap that we just discussed with the original series when they've already set this up as a 172 year story? This is from episode one to when Danny's born. <laughs> is there a number of seasons there? They're already signed. They already on renewed for? season two. So I, I figured no. there. They've least. got two for. They've got two for sure. They just. They just did it like yesterday or today they but, but it wasn't yeah, some so crazy it's... deal where they're saying they're going to say like okay this is a five five year uh nothing like yeah, that okay, yeah okay. no so if they're really going to cover the entire time the entire 172 years you're going to get a lot of crazy time jumps in there i would imagine um i don't know yeah. if they need to do that though i don't they don't need to cover the 172 years i don't need to see it go right up to the beginning of game of thrones um you can get the oh there's so much good stuff though 
well, you get like the well, battle with with Baratheon that like leads to him becoming king. Well, there's some good stuff. So that's there. what I mean. Like, will that be part of this show, or will that be part of a different Game of Thrones yeah, offshoot? Right? Like, you know, who who knows? Right. I mean, I think there's so many stories, and like you said, it's already written. There's so so many stories there that you're they're going to cover it one way or another. But this House of the Dragon, maybe it doesn't, or maybe they do a time jump from season to season, and it ends up being like a three three season run or four season run. Maybe I don't know. I'm hoping it follows early on the winning time formula where we might be looking at 172 seasons <laughs> where every year is one season. So by the time it's done, um, we'll, we'll have fully uh, experienced the Targaryen. So my hope is I'm looking at 102 season schedule uh, leading me right up to watch the eight seasons of Game of Thrones in one sitting. So neither of those are very good ideas. I guess the only thing I would say is I'm really glad that it's already written because we're not going to have people deviating or coming up with their own endings, so to speak. The idea is going to have to be, you're going to have to take it in smaller time frames. You're going to tell a story that lasts, you know, maybe eight or 10 years, do that over a couple of seasons, then jump ahead. If you want to get all the way to like the fall of the Targaryens, which really makes sense as the ending to this and, and what it's going to be when, you know, Robert, baratheon comes to power and stuff like that we'll see i don't know there's a lot there i promise you there's a lot of history written into these books that has nothing to do with what we already saw in game of thrones so what are you looking forward to in next week's episode a little more setup as much as i liked the first episode it seemed like it moved very quickly uh there's a lot happening and i get they have to set the stage but some of the best episodes of game of thrones and you guys kind of kind of talked about it earlier is when they slowed that pace down uh and i think in episode two i'm hoping we see that uh, we see that pace slow just a little bit you see a little bit more character development i'm i'm most interested in the king's brother because i hated him at the beginning of the episode and then i was kind of rooting for him at the end of the episode uh so so that i, I think you'll see a slower pace if you're going to watch it tonight after we do this or whatever it is this week because at its best that's what game of thrones did they slowed the pace down and then delivered something big and and obviously we know it's you know it's going to happen you read the books i don't uh, but i assume we're going to see some i don't remember this part these are the these are the pages in the book you kind of skip through quickly <laughs> because it's like an entire page of just like names like so and so ah. get so and so it's like the bible <laughs> guys unreal with the, with the way that he writes got it i would like w at least one more episode of foundation building so to speak like with like the damon targaryen the, the character that chuck was alluding to like all right he's kind of he's pissed everyone off now and now he's going to be kicked out so to speak go see your wife again right <laughs> like that's that's his punishment um yeah, like he takes the chick with him yeah yeah, with him. yeah right he's, yeah he i'm gonna bring his, you takes his prostitute <laughs> yeah. with him well you know <laughs> i i, I want to see maybe one more episode of some just foundational building because i do think we're going to get a time jump here early on in the season actually i i think you're you're going to see this young the young queen to be so to speak is going to be an adult before we know it yes that that is actually I, i'm pretty sure that's what happens i think they, they have there's a different actress yeah, that's already cast you're right and so I'm, I'm afraid it's going to happen in episode two like all of a sudden like all right man that that young actress like she was cool like i i'd like to see more maybe they'll do flashback who knows so that's my my hope for episode two is a little bit more of the diving deeper into the characters and then they can do their time jump i think we start to see the the main characters like lady in waiting the girl that was with her whose dad is the hand of the king yeah. 
Like those two are going to be at odds with each other. I think, I think that's eventually going to happen. Uh, hand of the King, terrible dad, terrible yeah. dad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no yeah. spoilers. We'll just leave yeah, it. At right, that. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think we start to see those two coming, coming at odds with each other starting, I think right away, but I think you're right. I think we're going to see a pretty big time jump some point this season. I don't know if it comes the next episode or not, but uh, well, it's awesome. I'm really glad to have Game of Thrones back. This is going to be fun. Uh, I've enjoyed it so far, so we'll see. Uh, boys, we're out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that our beloved Cleveland Crunch is leaving the MASL2 oh, no. and joining Major League Indoor Soccer, a new league with plans to expand to Grand Rapids, Rochester, and Erie, Pennsylvania. What? Nice. With that news that will finally expose Chuck's fading loyalty <laughs> to the city of Cleveland, <laughs> I hope you guys have a great week. <laughs> and let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. <laughs>
even play a down. Like you can't even judge the receivers when Cooper's not yeah. out there because Cooper's going to draw so much attention and get those other guys a chance. I like that album, Chuck. Yeah, that was good, man. That was really good. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I like him. I stumbled upon him on Is TikTok. He a kid? He, I think he's younger. I don't think he's, I, I never like Wikipedia to see how young he was. I was yeah. just really impressed. Impressed. Wow. Let's get my mouth working. Yeah. With Eddie Goodbye Daddy, Carolina. Daddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I put it in our, in our playlist. So he's been releasing singles, like one song a week for the last month. And I'm like, oh, he leans a little rock. His last album was produced by the guy from Black Keys too. But this, I'm like, this is basically a Black Keys album. Sounds mm -hmm. just like it. Only he's it did, got a yeah. way better voice yeah, um, right. than Dan Arbaca. Yeah, it was you know, good. I, so perfect Go timing. You, you sent that text and I was... Nice. I'm like, I think I was two and a half hours into a four hour drive. I'm like, here we go. We're going to yeah. play this on repeat. <laughs> yeah. That was perfect. There is... um and I can't put my finger on it and I'm not even going to try because I think I would say the wrong thing, but th there's also a, a definitely like a, it's like a seventies rock or like a seventies, like Southern rock yeah, feel absolutely. to it. And I can't yeah. think of the name of the art. I keep wanting to say Steve Miller, but I don't think, I don't think that's correct. Um, but there's a sound to some of those songs like that guy um or something from the 70s like that that's really really good yeah it was good this it was is good fun album. this is like a this is like an all ears yeah Ooh. outtake hey i liked uh i think hardworking man was yeah, the yeah, best song good. on the album whispers yeah. really good lie 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 is really good too yeah. i think those are um, my my three favorite um three favorite on there his earlier stuff leans more country but he does still have that southern rock sound sometimes so i was just super impressed by his voice it was a live clip of him singing I'm like, man this guy is dynamite so yeah i found that song listen to that album and oh, listen wow. to the next album and i said i didn't even i didn't even, I didn't even dive into this until just now so he has three other albums yeah he's four, got a lot four, of stuff four yeah. other albums yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and i feel like i've heard of him um or maybe i'm confusing him with l king i don't know um, l king's female yeah <laughs> right, right. I, I know they both have the same hair they got the same last i name. also think l king is she's rob yeah. schneider's daughter right yes yeah, she's rob schneider's <laughs> so daughter maybe, maybe I, I to, rob schneider's tremendously I was pausing talented. for a second like can, can this be right yeah it's rob schneider's daughter deuce uh, bigelow great yeah. movie he, he did so i grabbed it that way yeah. And when I got home, Whitney was FaceTiming with her sister and I, I said, Hey man, and, Hey, how are you? Good. And her, her has COVID. How's he feeling? He's great. And she just goes, is that a case of natty day? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that commercial writes itself. Want to uh, impress your in-laws? Yeah. Back <laughs> uh, up on your natty daddy. <laughs> That's not bad. Do you it's only have two friends? <laughs> Do you only have two <laughs> friends? Here's a three pack. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Now I'm kind of bummed. I didn't. I'll, I'll grab another three pack <laughs> when I'm when I'm shopping for my forty. I'll get the fifteen pack, man. It's nine ninety nine. I know that's pretty. That's pretty good. Uh, the, the no, three there's something like about the twenty five ounce can, though. Yeah, I know, but yeah, yeah. Well, we'll bring it on the trip for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I haven't, I, it's been a while since I had to get a 40. I hope my dealer still, uh, still exists. Yeah. Have to do yeah. I too. might go like into town. I feel like the, um, cheaper grocery store in town is going to have more forties than the corner store at the end of my street. Yeah. I have to do that. Cause I think I, last time I think I ended up with like a 36 wasn't a full 40 somehow <laughs> like the beast light 36, yeah, the 36 instead of a 40 36 or fucking 36 bullshit. Or... yeah what a pussy <laughs> <laughs> he's only drinking 36 ounces of beer <laughs> oh man yeah I, I took tomorrow off of work with that purpose in mind i'm just gonna go get a 40 so i took the day yeah who knows where that adventure will take me right <laughs> I, I love how the is now um like on notice that whenever Phil takes a trip with buddies over the weekend, he's taking Monday off. <laughs> oh, at probably least. Friday, maybe Thursday, half day yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> I took Friday and Monday off for this trip, and I was only gone two days. <laughs> um, <laughs> for our for our trip, I take a week. Well, I, yeah, I, I take a take I take off. a Wednesday to Wednesday now. <laughs> what do you think about uh? Kevin Durant sticking around in Brooklyn. What a oh yeah, <laughs> he, he really is <laughs> such a man. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? Here to amuse you?